Okay, there you are. Am I? There you are. We're not on yet, because... Or maybe we are. Uh, yeah, hey, we're broadcasting. That's cool. <clears throat> oh, hi. Hi, listeners. I thought that Sam crashed, but apparently he was just taking a nap. So, uh... Yep, yeah, we're in. If I want to play any music, I have to restart Sam. But uh, hopefully by next week we can get that worked out. Somebody said they had a, a better version of the software that we already have licensed. Okay. So I can install it. But for now, we'll have to put up with less than ideal situation. But that's okay, because we we rise above. That's just what we do. Yeah, I still have the less than ideal situation over here of being uh, being confined to uh, my phone. Although, again, I gotta say, I sort of want to set up a podcast studio where everybody is just lying in beds. Yeah, it's comfy. It's nice. I don't know if my voice is as sonorous when I am horizontal. I haven't noticed any difference. I, I think your your pillow talk voice is perfectly suited for this. Mm. What do you call the uh, attribute of, of being more or less sonorous? Your sonorosity? Hmm. Your... S- notoriety. Your synchronicity? Okay. Maybe. Maybe not. Mm. More like synchronicity. This also, uh, this, this uh, studio has the advantage of me being able to constantly Dutch oven myself as we do the show. That's good. I know that there is nothing you like more than the smell of your own farts. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of been the driving, uh, the driving attribute behind all of my creative work. Of course. In my life. How have you been, Mr. Skullhead? What's, uh, what's shaken? What's, what's up? What's the haps? That was good, man. We had a, we had a busy weekend, and that was fun. We had got to pretend through some careful planning that we were unencumbered with life's life's pleasant complications, I guess. Uh, we got, uh, Ollie spent the night at Grandma's house on Saturday night, and on Friday night she came over to watch him, so we went out Friday night to a show called Wits, which is like a hipster prairie home companion, I would say. I feel like this is a show that Bill Corbett talks about all the time. Yeah, they're on it most of the time. They do, because they do, the format is like, the guy who hosts comes out, does a little monologue, and introduces their comedian or author for the for the show, and then they do a couple of sketches with Kevin Murphy and Bill Corbett, and just like some standard kind of goofy radio sketches, and then they always have a musical guest that plays a couple, three songs. But it's an audio. It's an audio program, and you went to a recording of it. Yeah, it's a radio show that we went to live. <coughs> they, uh, the guy who does it is the guy who did the pop culture correspondence for the McSweeney site. So he does a new one of those every time. I am unfamiliar with that in its entirety. Oh, I'll, I'll have to link you to that archive because it's a, uh, you know, like a letter to Billy Joel from the management of the bar that he plays in. Asking him to please play songs instead of singing insulting couplets about the people in the bar. Okay. You know, like, a letter from the jungle to Axl Rose. Shit like that. Okay, that seems, that seems like, that seems like uh, conceptual humor at a level of conceptualness that I like and would not anticipate out of McSweeney's. Yeah, it's conceptual humor that also manages to be humor at the same time. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I feel like McSweeney's was generally just funny and over my head or just not funny. Yeah, and I mean, like, functionally those things are identical. But you do kind of wonder, like, is this... Am I just not cool enough to get this? Or is there... Or is not being any... There not being anything to get the point of the thing? Yeah, I mean, I just sort of wonder, like, is there somebody out there with a, a sort of, like... I mean, I guess if... It, I can imagine writing jokes that require in the audience a like say a very very serious liberal arts education that I did not get right yeah and 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 you know I'm not sure I'm not sure what I think is going on there because I mean you read like you know you read a Dave Eggers book and it's like all right this this is a guy you can imagine having a beer in a conversation with this guy it's not like it's not like it would just seem like fucking crazy talk overhearing a conversation right. but then but then when you read McSweeney's stuff it's like what is like it's it's like an episode of the twilight zone where maybe you like this book came from a different world where yeah. stuff just didn't mean the same thing that it means here you know, like, it'll, it'll be ten things that were found inside the rusty safe left behind in Alice B. Toklas's basement. And then it'll be, like, a single rose. The tear of a swamp giant. If you, like, you read the whole list and go, huh, was the funny part that, like, Alice B. Toklas's basement is a really specific thing? And then the things inside of it are really specifically described things that are completely unrelated to each other. Because I think that's a lot of it. It's just like talking nonsense but doing it in, in a really elevated speech. I mean, the, so the pirate jokes for sophisticates is like, that is a point where it dipped down to something that I at least understood the shape of. Uh -huh. And so it was like, well, okay. So, are these? It, are, is this the lowest level that they operate at, uh -huh. and therefore a level that I'm capable of operating at, or or is it just is it just orthogonal? And if it is orthogonal, is it orthogonal as a matter of taste or a matter of of comprehension? Right. And man. And me going orthogonal, huh? Interesting. I, I use that word a lot. It's sort of like conceptually perpendicular, like not intersecting. Okay. Right? Like, uh, like uh, the sort of solution you might arise at through, uh, you might arrive at through lateral thinking. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, so how was your, how was your wits? Did you keep them about you? It was great. We had uh, Paula Poundstone was the guest, and Robin Hitchcock was the music guy. Uh, Robin Hitchcock is the guy who sings the I Want to Destroy You song that we come in on, that you never get to hear because it's a song we come in on. So, uh... Okay, what else has you know, he done? Uh, he's... 
done a lot of solo work and was in a band for a while and see i don't really know that much about him either he's kind of young guy old guy he's an older guy he was like i want to say 70s early 80s was the kind of proto-punk band and then the singer-songwriter stuff was 90s to now okay kind of like a like a cross between james taylor and david bowie maybe okay so it but it turns out that he's also just really really funny how about an elvis costello where does an elvis costello go in there (laughs) his vocal styling is similar to elvis costello he's pretty nasal he's british though isn't elvis costello british uh, he's more british than elvis costello is because i realized he was british okay (laughs) but it turned out he's uh so the musician guest turned out to be really really funny and was able to kind of insert himself into the comedy bits in ways that were really fun. And, and then and then Bill Corbett turned out to be able to fart on fart on a scale. Right. I mean just to weigh his farts. <laughs> I can how do you man, how do you end that say okay, oh, I can fart and then musically what how do yeah, you yeah. once you've gotten the sentence to that point, how do you make it so oh, I can play a song using farts? You see, like, I could fart, I can fart in tune. Okay. I could fart, I can fart a tune. I have perfect asshole pitch. Okay. Oh, man, you know that perfect asshole pitch experiment that they're doing at that one school where they shoved a bunch of pitch up some guy's ass and he's been sitting on a toilet for 150 years? Yeah. Uh, If you're not familiar with the pitch drop experiment, I don't know where it is, but it is... It is a substance that is a liquid, but so thick that it, it's it been set up in some kind of funnel where it, there's a single drop of it falls every, like, 12 or 13 years. Hmm. And the experiment has been running for, you know, since the late 1800s, and nobody has ever actually seen one of the drops fall. Huh. So they don't fall predictably enough that they can make sure somebody's there? Well, I mean, I it's... I don't think that they do, right? Because you know, you go by, you walk past it, you're like, whoa, it dropped at some point, right? If something happened every 13 years, plus or minus two weeks. Yeah. I mean, I, you'd have to, you'd have to have been recording it to know the exact moment that it happened for an entire cycle. And I think it changes based on the ambient temperature, too. So it probably wouldn't be regular enough. Yeah, I don't know. So, I've had an Elvis Costello song stuck in my head all day because I was reading, uh, I was reading the chapter of uh, Jesse Shell's the, "The Art of Game Design," where he talks about characters and ways of modeling, modeling and, and uh, conceptualizing and, and sort of examining character relationships. And he did a thing where he took all of. Archie, Jughead, Betty, Veronica, and Reggie, and then just made a paragraph or like a sentence describing how they felt about each other member of the group. And I think his argument is that because none of those relationships, none of those sentences are particularly similar to one another conceptually, that that is a very good example of a group of five characters with compelling relationships. Uh, huh. But anyway, then that got the Elvis Costello song Veronica stuck in my head, which is a really good song. That is a really good song. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, Saturday night we did our, uh, what the people at the bar called St. Practice Day. 
because it wasn't actually St. Patrick's Day, but we were encouraged to act as if it was. And, okay. Uh, so, like, the Irish band that we all like were playing, so we went down there and to the bar and had some beers and listened to some band. Like a green beer or like a Schmidix or like a Guinness? I started the evening with a Magners, or uh, as they say here, Magners, which is a cider. Yeah. Like a, a British cider. Uh, then I had a Guinness, then I had a whiskey ginger. Hot Stuff accidentally had a Magners uh, the other day at the uh, at the Valley Tavern down the way from here uh, because he ordered something and the the girl who was probably the second or third worst waitress we've ever had just yeah. brought him the wrong thing. Yes. It was, it was at that point where, you know, sometimes you'll order a drink and you'll be like, I am now actually less likely to get a drink than if I hadn't ordered anything. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's not because, what you want. Yeah, it's like not only did, not only, so you've ordered a drink, but you don't have any confidence that it's going to get there, but because somebody went over to your table, nobody else is going to come take your order. Right. Yeah, anyway. We didn't do anything for St. Patrick's Day. Well, we, okay, so we, I guess I went to an Irish pub that was around the corner, and we met our friend Patrick, <laughs> um, and we drank four beers with him. Yeah. Um, so that was good. Yeah, we so we had the babysitter going. We had the overnight babysitter thing happening. And we're planning on staying out till like after midnight and and whooping it up. But uh Yeah. We got to go home and fuck, right? I mean, that's like you're like, "Wait a minute." Yeah, we failed to do that too. Oh. But uh, like around about Was it because you drank too much or not enough? Uh neither. You just are too old. Yeah, we're, we're too old to fuck. No, like, so at 10 o'clock, they had to close the tent that was outside down because of the city no noise ordinance there. So at 10 o'clock, the band ends their set in the tent. Half of the people in the tent run inside to go to the bathroom because they've been waiting for the show to be over. And then they station somebody at the back door of the place that stops people from going back out to the tent. So if you were in the tent, say, with your wife, and you went inside to go to the bathroom, you now can't get back out, and the people in the tent are slowly being shunted, but they can't go inside because now the place is at capacity because nobody who came in from the tent can go back out. So I ended up getting, like, shoved through to the front door where they said I had to, where I walked out and they said I couldn't come back in. So I snuck around the back and, uh grabbed the wife, and then we went home and made some loaded baked potato chips and ate them and, like, watched Scott Pilgrim and fell asleep in each other's arms. And then that was kind of cool. Okay. What are loaded baked potato chips? Uh, get your, like... Oh, I think I figured it out. Yeah, you, like, get your waffle fries or something and <clears throat> put cheese and green onions and sour cream and bacon on top of them. It was a thing that they were serving at the bar, but the bar was so crowded that there was no shot at actually getting the thing at the bar. And you had all of those things in your house? No, we went and bought them. Oh, okay. And then came home and did. So, like, we enjoyed our freedom, and we can we can fuck when the boy's sleeping in the next room. That's fine. But uh, the huh. going, going out in the middle of the night and buying ingredients and being goofy in a grocery store, 
If your fucking presence. doesn't wake up a toddler, I don't think you're doing it right, Mr. Stolle. He is a preschooler, and we close the door. Okay. Um, so, I don't actually know how any of this works. Like, it did, does him spending the night at his, is him spending the night at his grandmother's house, like, an unusual thing? No, like, we try not to do it too often because we don't want to burn grandma out. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's not unusual. It's kind of like being loved by anyone or having fun sure. with anyone. Because I, I, I just, I feel like when I was a kid, I, I probably spent, and I mean, maybe, who knows, right? Like, because time is so weird. Right. But I kind of think that I spent one night a week at one of my grandma's houses. Hmm. Probably. You know, and that, that jives with how I imagine my dad would decide his life was going to be. You know, yeah. I mean, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's like, oh, we have a kid. I can never go out to dinner with my wife again. <laughs> you know, right. like it, so. So I just, you know, and, and they lived they lived very nearby. And also, like one of my grandmas just always was taking care of grandkids at night. Sure. Well, and, you know, no, mostly just ignoring not not, you know, not in a not in a like neglectful way, but like we didn't really get. We were sort of the kids at my rural grandma's house were sort of treated like you know, just allowed to do whatever, like, like barn cats. Like, yeah, like barn cats. <laughs> it's like I, it serious. I mean, we we knew better than to like leave or fall in a well or something. I guess right. I mean, we knew where the well was and to stay away from it. And sure. they were paying some kind of attention. I mean, they were definitely paying attention. Somebody was paying attention to us, I guess. But we never, like, it was never like, you're down the block at your aunt's house where no one can see you. It's not like they noticed that and came after us. Uh-huh. Right? It was just every once in a while. Get away from there. You're getting too close to the well. Yeah. Um, which, here's here's the thing. If you got a well and you're worried about your kids falling into the well, maybe, just maybe, put something over the top of it that is not just like a decaying piece of eighth-inch plywood. Yeah, like your three-quarter-inch plywood would probably do the trick, and that's not so expensive. Yeah. I feel like a half-sheet. Right, but I mean, also, say Grandpa was a welder, right? So we just like take one of these pieces of sheet metal that is somewhere or else on the property, just sitting there doing nothing. Maybe put a handle on it, drag it over there, like, yeah. or you know, if it's too heavy, use a tractor. I don't know. Yeah, uh, and, you know, maybe it was a thing where they needed access to that well, but I don't think so. It was maybe a they just well. wanted to. Maybe they were doing like a kind of Darwinian trial. For the kids. Yeah. See which of you can listen well enough to stay the fuck away from the well. None of us ever got hurt. And I don't know what, you know... I, mean, it's, I don't know if that's a data point or... Or lucky. The, yeah, I mean, cause, so there was one kid when I was in kindergarten, this girl, Jackie Yinkst, who fell into a well and drowned. And that sucked for everybody. Yeah, and there were wells everywhere, right? Like the the place was just 
littered with unattended children and old wells. A lot of times there would just be a well that nobody knew about, right? Because it was a well from 100 years ago that had just been covered with plywood and then dirt. Right. Or whatever. And the functional well, the well where they got their water was actually more... It was weird. It was just like a, it was like a concrete pipe coming out of the ground with a concrete cap on it. Hmm. Right, which, because you never needed in there because there was a pump connected somewhere else. And so there, there was like a hatch that you could open, I guess, if you needed to get access to the pipes that were inside there. Or, I don't know. I forget where, oh, staying, staying the night at grandma's. Yeah. My other grandma, I mean, I'd, I'd run around town and then come home at night. I don't remember being forced to come home at night. I think I just did. Like, I would go home after everybody else's parents made them go home. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm imagining the level of independence that I had as a kid. So I wasn't particularly adventurous, so... I would assume that they would figure out fairly quickly that I could be trusted with considerable freedom. Yeah. Because I was just not going to avail myself of it. Like my parents figured out when I was in high school that if I was gone until after midnight, I was probably playing Shadowrun or some shit. Yeah. And not out, like, knocking over mailboxes or banks. Or, yep. Or knocking up chicks. Yeah, knocking up chicks or banks. But nothing was uh. getting knocked in any direction. Yeah. The, uh, so yeah, he'll like, like he'll go up to grandma's for an overnight sometimes or she'll come down and babysit him here. They're about 30, 40 minutes away. Okay. So it, we probably wouldn't pop up there and drop him off and then go out for an evening and then pick him up and go home. Mm-hmm. But I would say like at least once a month he does an overnight. Yeah, I mean, I guess having two grandparents in close proximity. One of whom, like I said, was just always taking care of other kids. Like, I was I was the only child of my paternal grandmother's only child. So, that was... The issue, the issue there was that she was not particularly trustworthy. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, she's a little ditzy, I guess. So, this weekend, we... On, on on Sunday we we wandered over just to have some beers with Patrick. The the bar around the corner, uh, the Dubliner, which you would expect to have done a brisk trade on St. Patrick's Day, was apparently themselves expecting a brisk trade on St. Patrick's Day because they had put some fencing up on the street and uh, there were some porta potties that they had rented. And when we got there, there were like ten people inside. That's surprising. At, at like ten o'clock, yeah. Was that it Saturday was, night or Sunday night? It was Sunday night. Yeah, like yeah. everybody, everybody had already done all their all their St. Patricking on Saturday night. Yeah. Because you know it was weird. Like there were definitely at like six six p.m. or so. So we went we went to the we went to the climbing gym, and as we were driving to the climbing gym, there were a bunch of people who had clearly gotten started way too early, and uh, were doing a lot of staggering and hooting. Mm. And then on the way back from the climbing gym at like 6.30, there were a lot more drunk people. And, uh, yeah, but then by 10, the streets were just clear. It was weird. I guess everybody's got to work. Yeah. Everybody's drinking for the weekend, I mean, but my, they want a piece of their heart on Monday. My experience on Saturday night 
reminded me why I don't usually go out to a bar on a on a big drinking holiday. Yeah. Because uh, it's rough seeing people my age and older being the, like, completely out of control of any possible part of their body and mind drunk. The, like, staggering, peeing on other people in the bathroom. You know, you're yelling at the bouncer kind of drunk. It's just like, Jesus, you are pushing 40. You could probably moderate that a little bit in public. Do you think that's a guy that drinks five times a year, and so when he's doing it, he's he's doing it? Maybe so. Or, or do you think it's a guy who just has a drinking problem? I mean, there were plenty of people in their 20s who were who were that, and that was that's annoying enough, but you can at least say, oh, well, I remember I would get shitty drunk at a bar in my 20s, but... The guys yeah, I, don't, were, I didn't ever really like... After the first time we went to a bar on a St. Patrick's Day when they actually had, like, tents set up outside and all this extra capacity and stuff, I was like, you know, this fucking sucks, and I kind of want to live the the type of life where I can just, like, get drunk on a Tuesday if I want to. <laughs> so that is what I'm going to do. And then just try to avoid... Try to avoid places when there are other people there. That's my motto in general. Yeah, I remember how pissed we would get if we went to a bar and it was crowded and we remembered it was the weekend. Yeah. It's like, okay. Oh, boy. On uh, on Saturday, we went down to the ferry building to a restaurant with uh, with Jessica Gruner, who you you know well. Yeah, enough, I right? love, love yeah. that girl. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, and her husband. Uh, they had left their... They had, they had left their child, uh, who is a little younger than your kid. Is that... Yeah, I think he was only two. Uh, he wasn't quite two last year, and Ollie was almost four, or halfway to four. Or something. They had left him to be watched by their chickens or something, right. and uh, came out, and we had some we had some, some, some oysters on the half shell and some cocktails, hmm. and that was okay. I think sometimes that every time I eat a raw oyster, I think, you know... This is a bad idea, and it's not even that good. <laughs> you know, it's not, like I like them, but I don't. I don't think that I like them enough to make up for even the slightly elevated risk of foodborne illness that they present compared to most things that I could be eating. So you'd rather have the like chicken breast tartare? Yeah. We uh, we had dinner last night at a sushi place that specializes in fugu. And, you know, I just, I don't care what that tastes like. Yeah, like, you're not concerned how, like, how far your balls swing. You're not going to be an idiot to try and prove something. I mean, I guess at the same time, like, there are parts of, are there parts of a cow that will kill you if you eat them? There probably are, right? I don't know if a cow has a poison bladder. Well, sure, not specifically that, but there's got to be something that we... Oh, you know, so like a polar bear. I'd eat a polar bear steak, but you're totally not supposed to eat a polar bear liver because you'll OD on vitamin D. Right. They call that O-vitamin D-ing. It turns out that you didn't want the D as much as you thought you did. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's a counterexample... 
I mean, so like say one part of a cow that would probably be really harmful for you to eat is the shit filled intestine. Sure. Or try right? as it's known. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so you don't, but well, I think but they empty it of shit when, when it is being sold as tripe, right? It's not. Yeah. Cause that would change the flavor substantial. <laughs> Although who knows, maybe, you know, maybe eating cow shit would not be that bad for you. I don't know. Well, they say that in your, in your life, you're going to eat, you know, you're a pound of cow shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing as dirt. Okay. And, sp- and spiders. Yeah. I was going to say your body weight because, you know, that thing that everyone talks about how in your lifetime you'll eat your body weight in dirt, but no, I don't think so. You know, yeah, do you think you eat your body weight in dirt? I, like, I mean, dust accumulates on stuff, right? So that's also happening to your tongue every time your mouth is open. Right, and it frequently you know, you is. You just eat it a little bit at a time. I mean, sometimes I like to go out during a haboob and say, check it out, I'm licking a haboob. <laughs> and, and just stick my tongue out and let totally it Totally nursing off this haboob. <laughs> yep. Mm. Uh, I've actually missed all the haboobs all the time. So then after we, after we had, the, uh, had our oysters and cocktails, we went to uh, the, the offices that were once the glitch offices and are now the offices... Uh, with depressing empty desks and glitch memorabilia on the walls, huh. uh, but hung out with uh, hung out with those guys, S- uh, Stuart Butterfield and crew, and it was a fucking delight. What are they doing at the uh, glitch offices now? What's the they are plan? they are working. On, they, they, so so what they did was they like they made game never ending, and they were like mm, this isn't going to work, and mm-hmm. so they took some of the more promising of their sort of internal development tools and said, how can we make this into something that people would want to use? And they use that, they made Flickr. Ah. Right. And they are, they're basically, I, I don't know if, I don't know if anybody knows about it. So I'm, I don't think I should talk about it on the off chance that I'm not supposed to, but like, they're basically doing, they're just working on some stuff that they had been using internally to work on glitch and like spinning that off into a into just like a productivity thing, hmm. or attempting to. I always forget neat. that. I always forget that those are the Flickr dudes. So yeah, I still like I still use Flickr for all of my photo hosting needs. I don't really know what it is. I mean, it's it like you host images on it, and yeah, like it it does the work of. Setting up a website and some photo gallery software, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It allows you to organize stuff and tag it. and It's not intensely social because it was done five or six years ago instead of, you know, like after everybody wanted to tag everybody in pictures. It's but, closer to 10 at this point because I think I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that they, the game never ending folded in 2003 mm-hmm. when, when KOL launched. Because, yeah, you know what, actually, the, Cal, the guy that has been there the longest, was asking us when KOL started. And he was like, I think it was just before Flickr. And I think he said Flickr was either end of 2003 or end of 2004. Yeah, okay. Anyway, sorry. That, that, was, a, that was a lame uh, digression. So, I mean, you do it because you want to show photos to somebody? Yeah, again, it's a way of storing pictures in the cloud. 
or in my butt if you use that yeah. piece of software that replaces all the pieces of the cloud with my butt. Yep, yep. But it's uh, <laughs> I wandered lonely as my butt. <laughs> I do. Uh, I do have to pay them like twenty bucks a year to host it, and there are probably cheaper ways to just keep all that data somewhere. But yeah, I'm not sure. Is it because you have so many photos, or is it because it is inherently not a free service? It is a free service for maybe a quarter of the photos that I have. Okay. So, so after is a while, that, they, they want you to pay for it. When you share a photo with somebody on Facebook, say, where is that photo? On Facebook servers. It is. Yeah, you can upload things directly to Facebook. Okay. And then... Can you... I mean, can you... Does Facebook have gallery features? Sort of. Like, you can look at a whole album that somebody's posted. Oh, okay. Or yeah, you can... Familiar. You can just look at <clears throat> all the pictures of a certain person, like, that have been tagged with that person. Okay. Which is another thing. The thing you can't do with Facebook is have multiple resolutions and sizes of the picture so that's the thing that Flickr does is they keep it like they keep the one that you uploaded and then they generate a small medium large crazy big and original size of it that people you can set who has permission to download them and then they can pick which one they want set it based on like Flickr usernames or more like because you can friend people on on Flickr, so you can okay. say anybody can have this or just my friends. I see. Or just me, like anybody can see this, friends can see this, just me, not even me, which is a weird thing. No, they I don't guess Dropbox Dropbox has some sort of automatic photo gallery thing. I've almost we stopped using Dropbox because of the vagaries of somebody deleting a file on their local copy and having that delete it for everybody. Is that a thing? Yeah, I, I can't figure out what governs the whole... Like, well, and then uh, Doug put a bunch of files in the Dropbox that is linked to mine, but they didn't ever show up. Hmm. And, yeah, it, it stopped doing what it was supposed to do it seemed like like as soon as it got a little bit complicated so i've been kind of shying away from it huh i actually started paying them for once once it became clear to me that like largely due to dropbox the process of like reformatting and reinstalling a new computer for me took two hours rather than a day and a half I was like, wow, that is real fucking handy. Yeah. So, like, I just started paying them, and then I've basically moved all of the stuff out of my, like, long-term file system that I made. Like, stuff that stuff that's irreplaceable. Okay. Um, you know, not, not like, you know, I'm not keeping my, my porn and my MP3s and stuff there. But, you know, just my stuff. Yeah. Uh, and having access to that on every computer that I use is crazy handy and knowing that it's exists on both somebody else's servers that I'm paying for and a local copy on each computer I have ever 
use Dropbox on since I put the file there just makes it so I don't have to worry about backups sure. of that stuff. And that that is worth the, I mean, I think I'm on like a $10 a month plan or something. Yeah, but I don't like using the sharing because I don't really understand how it works. So whenever, like whenever I'm, you know, somebody will share something with me and I will grab it and then just unshare the folder on the website because that is, seems non-destructive. So, yeah, I don't know. But it was fun. We played a bunch more of uh, the Resistance. Which the Resistance? That's the spy game. Yeah, you you got in on some of those. I haven't actually played. I was there. You were watching. I watched the game in Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was, however, shitty drunk at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, it's so good. It's so good. It was, and it was really interesting playing like. There was a group of us that knew each other pretty well, and then a group of them that knew each other pretty well. And seeing the differences in the way that the, like, bad guy teams operated when it just happened to be, like, three of us on one side and, and three of them on the other side. Like, I don't know. It was it was a lot of fun. I think there's, there's a certain kind of person who really enjoys that. Right. And... And I, it turned, I would not have expected to be one, but I am, and it turns out that those dudes are too. Yeah. It was just it was great. We had, I was happy. There was a, I, I intended, I was trying to get some, some details about this uh, so that I could you know, share this story with the rest of you fellas, but I'll, I'll share it with you and with, the, uh, and with the listeners. The girl who works there who started playing KOL when a big contingent of glitch players were like, oh, let's start playing KOL instead. Right. And, and migrated over and formed a clan. And she was, I don't know, I don't know exactly what she does there. She was new since we had worked there, or since we had been there last year. But she was talking, she was just talking about how, you know, excited she was at having been playing KOL for a few months for the first time. And she, she there were two things in particular, that she wanted to know who wrote because she thought they were really great. And one of them was something from, like, 2004, and one of them was something in the new Castle revamp. So I was like, all right. So that, to me, is at least a single piece of anecdotal evidence that we've still got it. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think it was good because one of, the, one of the things that she mentioned was a thing that you wrote, and one of them was a thing that I wrote, too. So I was like, hey, good. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I wish I could remember what the first thing was so that that would have been a real anecdote. <laughs> I guess it was a real anecdote. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if we did anything else in between the show last week and the weekend. The days are just so full, you know? Yeah. Let's go exploring. Hey, you... I remember you telling me what Bill Watterson is up to these days. Is he one of the people that's just painting tiny paintings? Yep. That, that's exactly what he's doing. What about Gary Larson? Is Gary Larson also just painting tiny paintings? I haven't heard anything about what he's up to. Hmm. Berkeley Breathed is writing kids' books. Okay. Or Breathed, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know about Gary Larson. I wonder what that dude's doing. Besides wiping his ass with $100 bills. Do you think that... Do you yep, think that he made a lot of money? I don't know how much money I think a guy like, like, you know, say the guy who made Hagar the Horrible. <laughs> like, do you, think, do you think that he's buried in a solid gold pyramid? 
he uh he sold 45 million copies of his collections of books okay so you gotta figure he's doing alright right even if he only made 20 cents per book yeah okay uh he's it is weird to think that there was a time when the far side was just the biggest thing since the Beatles because like I, I enjoy it I've always enjoyed it and I like it still but for there to be a moment when that was of the zeitgeist like something that strange and, yeah uh, and potentially off-putting to have everybody go nuts for it is kind of interesting to me it really it really did seem to like like it reflected or it drove a a kind of a sea change in what kind of stuff was funny. Yeah. You know, and what's what's interesting about it is that it was it was very kind, you know? Like it wasn't ever mean spirited at all. But it was genuinely funny. Uh-huh. Although I don't know, was it ever mean spirited? Does he ever like make fun of people in it? I guess uh, you know it's more. It seems like good natured ribbing. You know, say the punk accountants. Is he making yeah. fun of accountants? Is the implication that a, that accountants are boring uh, uh, ne- negative? I think it was more like. If cows had the same feelings about relationships that we do, and if, if flies had the same feeling about relationships that we do, that kind of thing. It was more more the human condition, and it, like it's kind of a morbid sense of humor, I guess. A lot of the yeah, I mean that you know is the, this is the majestic specimen of nature's beauty. Quick, hand me the ether, right? Like. I guess, yeah, I, I mean, I guess there, I guess morbidity is negativity in a certain sense. Or is it the only positivity? I mean, it just, it just seems like it was not, you know, there was also a moment where Andrew Dice Clay was really popular. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and so like a, like a Dennis Leary kind of came off of that, like, a, and, and those things are fine. Dennis Leary more so than. Andrew Clay, but I mean, it's even like Bill Hicks was kind of negativity driven, right? Yeah, I mean, he he seemed like somebody with kind of a hope for humanity, like a, a vision of what humanity could be, and was kind of chiding them people for not living up to it. Yeah, I mean, it's just a sort of a thoughtful... Yeah, less like everything is shitty and more we're better than this, I think. Yeah. And I guess a little a little further down that spectrum towards the Andrew Dice Clay as like a Sam Kinison. Hmm. But... I know, all I've ever seen of Andrew Dice Clay leads me to believe that he was playing a character and was kind of in on the joke. No, was it? The whole time, like... I don't know, it's like you watch The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I would recommend that you do, honestly. Really? Because he's... he. So he wrote this movie in which he's the main character being himself. And everyone around him is put off by him. And 
are constantly harping on him for being out of touch and crude and stupid. And it seems like he's well aware of what the character is. And so it, it ends up being super funny. Hmm. Yeah, like he's hitting on a girl really clumsily and she walks away and he says, some people play hard to get, I play hard to want. Like, that's funny. Like, he understands that he's saying hmm. stupid shit. That sounds, that sounds like, a, like just a Rodney Dangerfield joke. <laughs> um, I stand by Ford Fairlane. <laughs> Nobody else. I don't know if maybe two or three other people in the world. It's a smaller club than the Hudson Hawk fan club. Okay. I've watched Hudson Hawk and don't remember much about it. It's silly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what else what else was what else was going on in comic strips? Because, I mean, like, The Far Side is, like, sort of quintessentially, like, late 80s, right? Yeah, it was, 95 was when it was done. Was the end of it. My grandmother, the the ditzy one, not the abandon us, like, feral animals one. Uh, <laughs> that's, no. <clears throat> that is, un, that is uh, needlessly uncharitable, and I am sorry, grandmother. Uh, I... <laughs> So then that always reminds me, whenever I remember that my grandmother is dead, I am reminded of how much I hate Facebook because of that thing that my cousin posted, which was like, make this your status if someone who loved you is in heaven watching you now. And one of her friends posted a reply that was, I sorry for your loss. All in lowercase. Uh, What else was happening then? My my grandmother, my, my ditzy grandmother would cut out, because when we moved to Prescott, we didn't get the far side in the newspaper. It's, it seemed, and so she would cut them out and mail them to me. Hmm. Like just, I would get an envelope once a month with just the cutouts of far side from the St. Louis paper. And she, every time I spoke to her, part of the conversation was her trying to get, like trying to get me to under to like explain the jokes to her, uh-huh. and it was, and she was she was smart. I mean, she wasn't you know you know I mean, she wasn't like she graduated from high school. She wasn't educated educated, but she was not uneducated, and she, you know, was a smart lady. Mm-hmm. But it was just, you know, my parents got them. Yeah. But they, like, it was, you know, the one where, like, oh, never mind, it says health. Yeah. Right? She just didn't get it. And I don't, like, I don't understand how you can not, I mean, like, so you have to be able to comprehend the situation and and not see that it is funny. And is it, is it possible that people... Like, is it possible that, like, say, growing up in the Depression and watching your friends' families lose their farms and starve to death made it impossible for you to appreciate the absurd? Hmm. Or is it just being from an era of, like, a more vaudevillian broad approach to comedy that something that's kind of dry like that doesn't hit? Huh. 
Would you would you describe that as dry? Yeah, kind of. Like, there's no obvious punchline. Yeah, I mean, I think the one-panel format is what, like, it couldn't, there couldn't really be a punchline, right? Like, the situation itself is is the setup and the punchline. Hmm. And so it becomes, it like, it's just a lot more active thing for the reader. Because you are, you're going through, the story is happening in your head, right? Like, the you're presented with a snapshot and you have to arrive at the entire arc of it. And I mean, I guess if you are accustomed to, like, you know, like, all of my humor is knock-knock jokes, <laughs> then you need to be walked through it a little bit. My, so my grandma would... She had a lot of, like, songs from her youth that had a lot of wordplay in them hmm. that she would recite. Something about, let me sew you to another sheet. There was, like, some... Some long thing about occupying the wrong pie. Right. And let me show you to another seat. And and there was something about, there was one rhyme about bicycles a that well, I don't remember. A well-boiled icicle? Maybe? Because that's another common spoonerism. Okay. Yeah. But, and like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, you know, my grandma liked Johnny Carson. I did too when I was a kid. Yeah, no, so did I. Funny. I mean, I, and I think it's because he was genuinely like a seriously funny motherfucker. Right. But but that's the thing. Like, what is the difference? What is the difference between? I mean, she probably didn't like David Letterman, and that's I, I think another like weird, like kind of uncategorizable difference. And then like Conan O'Brien went too far in the Carson to Letterman direction. And wasn't broadly appealing. Right. Or at least not with old people. But it's like different old people now. You know? like. <laughs> yeah, it was weird to see... Um, when I went to get my computer configured and fixed and everything, there was the, like, the old hippie guy was the guy who ran the place. And just kind of, you know, well, yeah, man, let's have a look at that and we'll see what's up, man. And then I realized that he was probably, like, 20 in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Like, he he was never part of the, like, flower child hippie generation. Because he is, you know, like, 50 or 60 now. So, it's weird seeing that, like, the hippie is still there. Just somehow there yeah, are, there well, are no, new hippies not. being made. I mean, so my dad graduated from high school in 1968, which is, I mean, that's, that's like when that that was, I think like mainstream, right? Like that was when it was like, oh, okay. Now everybody's a hippie for a little while, right? It's not like the, 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 the stalwarts were still at Haight-Ashbury and every, you know, Woodstock was mostly just tourists, but dad would have been. 63 now i guess so i mean it's it's possible you could be you could be in your 60s operating a a computer store saying let's see what's up man and you were at woodstock when you were the right age to be at woodstock yeah and i'll accept that yeah i mean it it, because it wasn't that long ago 
is that that's, it seems like it should have been a really long time ago, but it really, I mean, Woodstock happened seven, eight years before we were born? Yeah, but we're kind of old, too. Right, but we're not, we're not so old that 20 years older than us means you've got to be in a, in a nursing home, right? So, sure. so the people who were 20 when we were born are the people that we are buying professional services from. Yeah. Right. Let's see. My, yeah. Well, my dad was 27 when I was born. And he was the right age. So he was like 19 in the summer of 69. Yeah. And now he's 63? Yeah, yeah I think your dad, your dad must have been born. Like they were born in 1950. Yeah, like Both of my parents were born in 50. Oh, yeah, my, yeah, so they're exactly the same age that my dad would be. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Mom graduated from high school in 76. So, like, dazed and confused is about my mom. Huh. I think she's the. I think she was probably the Mila Jovovich. She was totally not the Mila Jovovich. My mom. My mom doesn't like drugs. Yeah, it's kind of weird seeing like Jess's parents were the guy going to Aerosmith concerts and and getting laced people. Like all of their, they were you know the Aerosmith and Supertramp and Loverboy and all that shit. Is there they're a good ten years younger than my parents? Mm-hmm. So they are just children. And where where were your parents when they were young? Because I mean, your your wife's parents were very like midwestern, like yeah, they were in Minneapolis the whole time, like almost famous yeah. crowd of 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 fans of stuff, right? But like, where were your parents? They were in, in Kansas this? City. Ah, okay, so that's similar. Kansas City and uh, Chattanooga. But they were they were so into the church, and that was its totally its own biome. Yeah. So like she, mom is still sad that she missed disco. She's like, I would have loved this music when I was in my twenties, but all I was listening to was fucking hymns. She would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds like your mom. Hmm. Do you think that means that your mother is having late life regrets about her choices to give herself so fully to the Lord? I think she would have preferred to have been able to dance. I don't think that it's not so much like she regrets that God didn't let her listen to disco and dance. She regrets that some of the shitheads in the church she went to kept her from doing disco. Yeah. I mean, because you can do disco without getting all promisco. Right. Right. You can get on the soul train without doing cocaine. Hey, there you go. (laughs) This is that's pretty good. We we just uh, we just did a like a a sort of a moderation PSA that we can send back in time to the seventies and really help a lot of people. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Well, do you want to just keep going instead of trying to take a break and potentially fucking everything all up? Uh, well, I know that in order to take a break, I just have to uh, turn off the program and turn it back on. Okay. So, it's up to you. Do you need to pee? Uh, I don't really. What I don't know is if I'm going to be able to, because I forgot to bring my uh, my my laptop in the room with me, and uh pretty sure that my girlfriend is using it to play SimCity. Mm. Uh, 
which I could grab it from her if this doesn't work, but I was gonna, I was just gonna read questions off my phone, but I don't know if I can keep talking to you on Skype while tabbed out of this, so let's try this. Okay. Hey, am I still talking to you on Skype? You are. Hey, check it out. Well, now I'm gonna run a browser and, uh, and see what's up here. It's up to you, man. If you wanna take a break, then we can take a break. Ah, uh, we can keep going. Okay. Uh, Felgod says, so what was the origin of the tiny plastics? How does this tie in with blind capsule toys? Uh, that was, were the original tiny plastics your idea? I don't think so. So I think they were more of a riff. Although it is, it was a Krembo thing, right? Well, it was from before, it was, the the first set of tiny plastics was one of the first, it was one of the things that, that Hot Stuff always cites when he talks about being in lounge and convincing me when I got home from the bar to stay up for another three or four hours working on something uh -huh. because it was easy to talk me into that. So that was before any of you guys were like actually on staff because hmm. it was like, I remember doing those at a stretch in the, in my old house. Um, but I don't, I'm almost sure that you wrote them. So I mean, maybe that was when you were the only person that was getting paid. Yeah, I'm or maybe it was sure like still in just them, the beer money. Yeah, here and there, days. But it was it was after I had quit my job. And, yeah, so I didn't know anything about blind capsule toys, and I I, I want to say that they weren't as much of a thing then. Yeah, right. It seems like there's they, they I mean they were a thing that happened in Japan. You know, I think all of the. All of the little numbers on them were added by either Riff or Hot Stuff. Because I didn't have any concept of the collectible and the uncommon and common thing. Mm -hmm. But the descriptions, reading them again, are definitely mine. But somebody else did the blind capsuling thing of them. I only really encountered blind capsule, like blind packed stuff in the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's like a thing that got going at or that I became aware of through Roy at Comic-Con. Yeah, that and, like, Ollie likes the little blind packs of Lego guys, where it's just a single minifig that you buy and open and hope it's not the same as the one that you bought last week, you know? Yeah, I, I became aware of those when I ordered a batch of Legos and they sent me a bunch of them for free. That's pretty cool. Like one with every, they sent me one for every set that I bought. I mean, for free, you know, for each hundred dollar thing I bought from them, they sent me a free thing that cost a dollar. But it, they're really cool minifigs. Mm -hmm. Like it they all, like there's we... something, there is something interesting going on with every one of them. We never get the coolest ones though. Like he'll mm -hmm. open it and I have to go, oh wow, that's so cool. You got the tennis player. Look, he has a tennis racket and he has a little headband. And I'm looking at the sheet going, now why the fuck couldn't he get the Martian? The Martian is way cooler than this. Yep. <laughs> That's, it's got to all be in the head. I, got, I think what I got was I got, I got Little Red Riding Hood, which whatever, and Evil Knievel, which is fucking rad. Right on. And then that crazy Space Marine with like the, the, the like giant armor set that covers the entire torso and head. Mm -hmm. And then he has a giant laser rifle. So that was pretty rad. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I, you know, I so don't that's know, man. the story. That's how Christmas came to be. I mean, it was like so. We knew about Kinder eggs, yeah. and we knew about we knew about 
there being different series of Kinder Eggs. That, I think, is probably the origin of the, like, series numbering. Uh-huh. Although, also, I guess before that is when we played a bunch of... The guys that I worked with at my the last job that I had before KOL, we went through a brief phase playing the WizKids uh, Battletech game. Where it was like a like the like sort of hero clicks, but with mechs hmm. and you know space tanks and shit. And those you would buy a box that would contain you know six whatever, like four commons or three commons, two uncommons and a rare or or something. Or maybe there wasn't always a rare or whatever. So like I was aware of the idea of there being toys that operated like, although they, that felt more okay because it was a game right. and it was more like, like, you know, certainly magic cards, magic cards versus baseball cards. Right? It would seem weird for baseball cards to have rarities assigned to them. Yeah. But weren't they though? Weren't they? I, I have no idea. Way? You know, it, it seems like with the, with the trading cards that were like, you know, E.T. or The Empire Strikes Back or whatever, there were numbers and, you know, Garbage Pail, because I don't think there were Garbage Pail kids that were more common or more rare, unless it was by accident. You know, it certainly wasn't as by design as, whereas, you know, like, for every, for every rare magic card, there were a hundred commons of a specific kind, you know what I'm saying, like. Yeah. For every royal assassin, there were a hundred healing salves. And boy, no salve is going to fix what's wrong with you after the royal assassin gets to you. That's right. Except maybe the salvation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Salivation or salvation? Salivation. Okay. Jesus is spit. There's very little of it left. Um, because the clay pots that they stored it in were really prone to evaporation over time. But... It, it can fucking bring people back from the dead. And as far as holy relics go, you know, everybody wants the blood. Yeah. Which is weird, because that's easier to get. You know, you just, like, say some stuff about wine. Wonder why it's, I wonder why it's acceptable to, to drink the blood of Jesus, but nobody is excited about, like, drinking his spit. Right. This is my bile, which is poured out for you. <laughs> This wing sauce is my bile. This has got to be mm. acidic, right? Uh, Casey Wiederman says, Sonic and Knuckles, yes, I want to play a Sneaky Pete run as Jarlsberg as Boris with all the skills available. Do you think, uh, do they share counters? Is there anything technically preventing this? Um, <laughs> I mean, it would suck if you just were... I mean, there is there is stuff that's technically preventing these things, right? Because all of the logic is like, if you are Boris, do this. And whether you are Boris is either looking at your path or your class. And so those things wouldn't trigger. But, right. like, you can only equip Trusty, but you can't use it if you're Boris and Jarlsberg at the same time. Um, you can request sandwiches that you then can't eat. Right. So I think it would be it would be broken, it would be broken powerful if you could like use his banish and Jarlsberg's banish at the same time, yeah. but super unfun to play with the combination of restrictions. So who knows? You'd probably be doing 
one day runs and just hating them. Uh, King Felix says, a suggestion, have the moister oyster drop a random oyster egg if you fight it with an oyster basket equipped. That'd be fun. Well, no, it's not the, that's a flying oyster that drops those things. This is a swimming oyster. Yeah. You would have to visit the cloister of the flying oyster to fight it. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not any more moist than a regular oyster. Uh, Sean Clannery says, so you're going to change Earlsberg summoning such that you can get the extra plus one conjuration if you donate for a pan or grab early riser, even at the full MP cost, right? You know, I'm not. Like, I knew, I knew that that would be a thing that people would be like, oh, that sucks. But it is not worth doing all of the extra housekeeping that you would have to do to support that. Right. Like, what he means is, like, if you summon it and then later on you get the skill that lets you summon one more... Like, it just makes it not, like, it's not beyond me. I just don't think it's worth the amount of time that it would take to do, yeah. to figure out what the conditionals are. Because it's like, oh, well, this is available to cast if you, have, if you have summoned your allotment rather than if you have used it, which is just a different thing to have to check. Uh, Big Ben 987 says, while you're at it, send me around for the Smudork logging camp. Mm. Yeah, anything we do in there is going to be howlingly popular. <laughs> uh, I mean, it could just be a joke about it. Mm. <clears throat> you know, it was it was easier to do a bunch of semi rares for the sea because it's all pretty self contained, as opposed to having to figure out like what can we do to flesh out this system that has tentacles in every aspect of gameplay, which is what putting a semi-rare in a, like a mainline zone is like, sort of, right? I mean, it's because it's either something that's like, well, this is just going to be irrelevant for speed and just something that like somebody would have fun with. But you know, I think if we're going to do one for the Smudorks, though, we should do a uh, some kind of adventure where you get shot a bunch of times with a nail gun. So then you have a lot of holes in your body, and they all get okay. filled with uh, thick black caulk. Okay. So uh, having all holes filled with thick black caulk could give you several of them for your inventory. Okay. That's all I had. I you know I I'm just pretty I'm good. just spitballing here. Boy, our uh, our Skype connection just got real bad quality. I don't know if I don't know if you're hearing that as badly as I am, but mm. you sound like you're uh, you sound like you're coming from the '60s. No, I'm just coming from Uranus to check your style. Well, but now you sound like a robot who I didn't understand anything that the robot just said. Neat. Uh, no, you sound fine. We should just continue as if you can understand what I'm saying. Oh, well, yeah, I did understand that. Uh, j shit, man, my phone won't stay on. Dear Jick says Green N seventy two. I wanted to thank you and the team for making two great games that make me win every game of Scrabble. Well, good. Does he think that we made words with friends? Mm hmm. Hmm. Or words yeah. with friends cheats. Words with cheaters. There's a. It is kind of sad that when you search for words with friends or Scramble with friends on the Android store. The first couple of things right afterwards with friends are, like, cheat 
words with friends, cheat, scramble with friends, find best word, blah blah blah. Yeah. It's like, what is the fucking point of playing the game if you're going to have a machine cheat for you? I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, I don't either. Uh, you know, it is really gratifying to me when people say that they've learned anything from... Right. You know, I mean, because we're, we're going to go out of our way to use funny-sounding words if we encounter them. Right. You know, like, we're the kind of people that if we learn an interesting word, we are probably likely to try to figure out ways to insinuate it into whatever we're writing yeah. over the next couple of days. And then it's like, all right, well, now we're the... Now we're the Cormac McCarthy making it, so you have to have a fucking dictionary <laughs> next to you to understand what's going on. And that's cool. Um, Gygax says, since we apparently can't kill wild seahorses, how about having them drop a factoid when subdued? Eh, that's, I don't want to have to replicate that code in another place. It's fine. It's fine for them to just not have them. Yeah, and don't, don't worry that you're missing something. You're not. Oh, no, another putt says, it would be cooler if the palindrome was the palindrome and looked like the technodrome from Ninja Turtles. I don't know if that would be cooler. That would certainly be a different joke. Yeah, because the technodrome is the only thing I know that's actually a, a drome. Or is the hippodrome also a drome? Or is it hippodome? I think it's hippodrome. But I, I mean, I think it's the word. The word is, but I don't know what the word hippodrome means. I assumed that it just meant... Like yeah, Colosseum? Hippo means horse. Okay. And Drome so, is a place where you do stuff. A oh, horse Of course. Okay, so... This name is derived from the Greek words hippos, horse, and dromos, course. So, a hippos is a hippos of dromos of dromos. A what? Hippo means horse, and dromo means... Dromos means course. Oh, oh, okay. So, a hippo gotcha. is a hippo of dromos of dromos. Okay, that was pretty funny, and I just did, I just wasn't, I was not catching what you were pitching at all, and I'm sorry. Cause I'm glad that just saying it again with zero clarification made it work, because that was really all I had in my pocket for that one. <laughs> huh, well that's interesting. So the, the um, th there must have just been like a weird mistranslation then in... The, the video game, the, the uh, classic video game Hippodrome, which uh, was an awesome video game and remains an awesome video game um, because that's just like a, like a fighting arena. So there weren't any hippos? No. There was a woman, there was like a Medusa hmm. who was like a snake lady. She would turn to stone when she died, which I think is not how a Medusa works. Yeah, I would say that other people are doing the dying and the turning to stone. Like yeah. Dying I mean, you could say to that developer, to bro, do you even Meduse? <laughs> I'm just going to go drop Meduse. <laughs> uh, wow. Jesus. All right. Radio questions thread. Uh, I eat food. Says, I know you've said on previous shows that you love Faxbot and the idea of someday out of nowhere somebody could fax in a random early monster that has long since vanished would be like finding a long lost relic. Now, I love Faxbot and I would hate to see it become obsolete, but what if we were able to buy memory slots or RAM or similar upgrades for our fax machine? You know, the fax machine is already so powerful that any, any suggestions that anybody ever makes to me to make it more powerful, I'm going to be like, I don't think so, brah. 
I'm gonna call you Bra. Mm. That's what I'm. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, Wax says, Scully, where's my 11th show? What? Oh, do I owe, do I owe the archive last Monday's show still? Yeah, I think I put it up. Okay. I'll, I'll grab it. It is, it is such a fucking pain in the ass dealing with not being able to upload anything from mm. this apartment. Like, I just, and I just don't think that there is a fix for this because it, like, it's, I'm, I'm not gonna, like, learn how to explain to the people that own this place that they need to, like, update the firmware on their router. Or whatever. Everybody in this fucking city uses a Mac. And it's like, I don't know, man. It's like it's like trying to stand against a tide. Don't do it. The guy... It won't make you the guy, One of the two guys that owns this house, not even a, not even a computer guy, but had some like a, a a disparaging nickname for Microsoft that was just tossed off completely off the cuff like that's just what he calls it uh-huh. you know like people who just say taco hell yeah or uh, which republican i've never heard that oh yeah. what does that even mean like a combination of repugnant and republican oh okay right yeah, but like what like what horse do you even have in that race, man? Like right. what it like it, ugh, it's just I can kind of understand that say 20 years ago when Apple was the the David and Microsoft was the Goliath. <clears throat> but the things that you hate about Microsoft are things that are true about Apple too now, right? They're a huge corporation that stifles creativity and their products are like instead of their products being like substandard their products are just overpriced mm-hmm. you know but it, yeah it's weird to me too but i also I learned, don't i learned is there anything never that question I do that with? never question what other people buy is is there anything like i mean i because i like to th- I, I i i would make the statement I don't like it when people do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like it when people just have, like, some snarky nickname for something that is a play on words of the name of the thing, but there's got to be something like that that I... Well, I remember that uh, when I lived there, you always used to say we should go down to Cracho Smell. Y- yes. Yeah, that is what... <laughs> that is, is entirely what I a thing that you would say. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. God, I knew people who would say that, and it was so annoying. <laughs> like, you're really going to, you're going to eat there anyway, yeah. But that was huh. the, that was as clever as they got. Uh, Wack says, uh, "Oh, Wack continues." Chick, before changing turtle tamer skills with class revamps or giving them turtle based back items, you are required to read "Small Gods" by Terry Pratchett. Can I just read "American Gods" by Neil Gaiman again instead? You should read to Nancy Boys and then mail it back to me. Oh, okay. Uh, the same uh, applies also to soul music for accordion thieves going postal and making money for disco bandits, and I forget if Pyramids is any good, but if it is, uh, that before the level 11 quest revamp. Scully, is Pyramids any good? Yeah, it is, but don't worry about it, Wack. I've read all of the Terry Pratchett's, and if we have a shot at, at shoehorning a reference or two in there, I totally will. Yeah, why is it so important to people... I mean, is it just because it seems like a thing that I would like? Is this like 
how people would act if I hadn't read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Okay. It is. I mean, like, all of the people who told you to watch Firefly... Mm-hmm. That got really annoying because the aggregate effect of it is, like, you just feel like everyone should know better and that, of course, everyone has told me to watch this already, but they don't. Yeah. But they were right, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that I'm glad that I finally relented and watched Buffy. Yeah. You know, and I mean that just took that just took being at a place where I had a bunch of spare time with no internet access and a set of Buffy DVDs in the room, uh-huh. right? But it was yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. Now it's just too much build up. Uh, let's see. Trading forums. Who told you I wanted this? Who? I want to thank them. I don't remember. It seems like maybe a year or two ago, somebody asked me if it was okay to make trade forums, and I was like, I guess. We already have thousands of forums that I don't understand what they're for. Right. Um, when Uncle Hobo slash Crimbo was still around in Hobopolis, it used to be possible to get his cigar as a trophy by beating him in a single turn. Can we have stuff like this for the other Hobopolis bosses? In particular, now that you can't auto-attack bosses, one-hit-killing Hodgman while all five sub-bosses up should definitely be worth something. Is that even possible? I don't... Probably not going to add new clan trophies without adding new clan dungeons. Jick, how'd you settle on the name Jick? I don't know. It's a good name. I thought it, and then I was like, yep. <laughs> That's how I'm primarily going to be known to people for the rest of my life. My only regrets about Mr. Skullhead is that it's based on an established property. Mm-hmm. Like, I can never fully own Mr. Skullhead. So. Yeah. Try as I might. I mean. I can't have, like, a lucrative clothing line that's Mr. Skullhead without dealing with Warner Brothers. You don't think? No, I think they would be upset. Would you. Do you think that I could do a lucrative clothing line called Jick? If you put your mind to it, sure. Hmm. You know, that's the kind of thing that I don't know that I could do if I put my mind to it. <laughs> Design a clothing line? Yeah. Well, if it were just based on the shit that you wear all the time, I don't know, I would buy it. If it was a line of shirts like the the Guyavera shirts that you wear, Okay. I would totally buy some of those. Guyavera. Guyavera. Holy... Uh, Wack also wrote, and I accidentally skipped it, The sea is really cool now that you folks are working on it. Jick is a lazy bum, so I know he isn't working on any of it. So, Scully, what bits are you doing? Uh, the grandpa ramblings are good, and as far as I know, you're the oldest person at Asymmetric, so you're a prime candidate for writing those. Uh, did you or Riff write most of those? I mean, th- there's only been one new one, and I think I just assigned that to Riff, because I thought I remembered him being the one that wrote those. I may have wrote a couple. I think Riff wrote the lion's share of them. There are only there. There is only one new one as a result of it. I mean, I think a lot of people are just going down there and thinking that a bunch of stuff is new when it wasn't. Right. Um, so it's kind of funny that uh, Wack thinks that I'm the oldest person at Asymmetric when I am possibly the youngest. Yeah. How old is? Uh, I don't know how old Hot Stuff is. He um, is. Is you're a year older than me? Yeah, he is. He was born in between the two of us. Riff is a couple of years older than you, right? 
You know, I think I thought that, but it is not actually true. Hmm. I think I think Riff might be closer to your age than mine. Huh. But yeah. I did have it in my head that he was older than me for a long time. We are only a year apart. Like, you were born in 76. Yeah. Uh, newbie says, Jick, does Uber farming stalker mimic stalker stalking mimic need to be nerfed? I don't know what Uber farming is, but that... That whole thing could definitely use some sort of sideways nerf, which will probably be nerfing, I don't know, Candy Blast and some auto-sell values. Because um, that's a thing to do without actually nerfing any Mr. Store stuff. Uh, Hinch says, can the eventual Sneaky Pete's avatar base class include real-world breathalyzer tests so I can get on a damn leaderboard for once? I realize it can be complicated to code, but be a bro. Oh, I'm a bro, Hinch. Don't don't think that I'm the kind of guy that's not a bro because I am the kind of guy that is a bro. We'll do that. Being in California the, uh, is making me a programmer. Yeah, you're gonna have to buy the breathalyzer peripheral from us. So yeah. Okay. You know, <clears throat> I got a breathalyzer for Christmas a few years ago, and it never did any good. Like it was always just a like, let's see how high we can make this go. Yeah. Or just freaking people out who would have otherwise been fine to just go home. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Work Perch says, I have questions relating to three game aspects, so please bear with me. One! I noticed there was a new thread about the Bounty Hunter quest items, and I thought I'd raise the question directly. There are some areas that are not always available to players of all levels. Thinking of Jarl's Boris and those areas unlocked with Guild Quests, the Funhouse and Fernsworthy's Tower are two that come to mind. It's clear that the bounties have not kept pace with some of the new game developments. Any chance this could be addressed? Uh, in addition, how about adding a fourth level of bounties for those in Aftercore? The C, maybe? Not that I've done a great deal in Aftercore, but I have no doubt that you'd make a lot of people happier. Yeah, I could see a set of C bounties. Mm-hmm. Um, see a set of C. Two, onto the Astral Energy drink. When I first used these, I was surprised that it only gave uh, that it gave only adventures and no stat gains. Given there are other spleen damage and consumables that give stats, why not a few, just a few, for the Energy drink? I would not expect many, but it does seem a tad unfair to me. There may be a reason in the grand scheme of things, and if so, I'd appreciate knowing. Well, because they're, those things are way better than anything else that the game ever just straight up gives you for spleen. And so that is a way that we can continue to differentiate spleen stuff from Mr. Store content. Right. You know, without having to have our hands tied by the astral stuff. I'm, I'm pretty sure that we did have that conversation and that that's how it went. Three, finally, what is the giant pearl referring to? The text mentions that it is a pearl of great price, but what is the reference, if any? The biblical parable, the Mormon religious text, or that album by that band, Will? <laughs> the Mormon religious text. I'm not even sure it's an actual biblical parable. I just remember some of the Mormon kids at school handing that thing out as what? part of their proselytizing. Yeah, what was it? It's like a collection of Mormon teachings mm. a selection of choice materials touching many significant aspects of the faith and doctrine of the of the LDS mm. okay so like some sermons Mormon Mormon sermons was there any reference to Steinbeck's The Pearl no I've never read anything by Steinbeck actually huh I mean The Pearl is only like 30 words long <laughs> I'm surprisingly thinly read for somebody who has a master's degree in English. Yeah. I guess 
I never read The Grapes of Wrath. I've never read Moby Dick. I... I would like to read Moby Dick. I was actually really enjoying it, and then I just put it down and didn't pick it up. Like, I didn't... It didn't seem too, like... It, it wasn't intimidating. I was like, oh, wow. That, that, like, I was expecting it to be horrible and boring. Because I just always expect, like, the classics to be really dull. Like, I never... Like, I expect black and white movies to be boring. Mm-hmm. And, I like, I know that they're not, as yeah. a rule. Right, like there was never a period in history when people liked shit that was boring. So I don't know why I just assumed that anything from, you know, prior to me being around to be interested in things is going to be boring. Do you think it's just because, like, when we were kids and our parents were watching a black and white movie, it was bound to be boring to us at the time? Yeah, because we didn't understand it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, being forced to read something in school I, I think just sucks all of the joy out of it I agree I don't remember I don't remember ever enjoying any required reading in school hmm. because it was always like well fuck I have to read this it's not like I want to read it and I mean if all I read was stuff that I wanted to read all I would have been reading was you know the novelization of the Goonies over and over again but like you know, or like choose your adventure books, or some Sagard the Barbarian. Huh. Um, hey, Scully says, Gleaves, when are you going to get around to updating the Crimbo documentation for the past two Crimbos? It is so weird to me that that is a thing, uh-huh. but I guess I guess people really want it to be there. Yeah, I'm going to have to sit down Be- before next Christmas. I will sit down and put them in. It made a lot more sense to do that when we were really directly leading from one into the other. Yeah, but after we hit the diorama, like there was a kind of a break from these things getting just being so directly tied into the previous one. Like you didn't need to know anything about the history of Crimbo town to know, to enjoy the diorama. Well, I would argue that in every case you don't need to know anything about the history of it for it to be comprehensible and fun. Sure. Right. I mean, there, there are going to be little nods to things that, you know, there will maybe be a joke that you don't get, but I feel like for the average player, encountering a joke that you don't get is going to be like a every couple minutes thing right. in this game, right? And that's just that's part of the style. Yeah, I don't I mean the the diorama was sort of like Crimbo Gaiden, you know, like it's like, oh, hey, maybe I'll do a Crimbo. It's like, all right. <clears throat> Salazar says, Jick, do you actually go into the office most days or just work remotely? I'm aware that the office is actually a house, but I don't think that you live there, right? No, I don't live there. Uh, Riff lives there, and Xenophobe used to live there, but uh, when he quit, he moved out. Um, yeah, I. it is very rare that on a weekday I don't go to the office. Um, and I... Mm, there's almost never a month that goes by where I don't spend at least one or two weekend days in there. Also, it's like when because our because our deadlines are so based on day of the month rather than like week right. milestones that there are often like I don't do any artwork at home. Like I don't maintain a, a scanner setup at home. So there there are some things that I have to be at work for. But I in general I like. And I have found that I am far, far more productive when I have to go somewhere to work. Mm-hmm. Like, 
when I was working out of my house, I would put in way more hours and get way less stuff done because I would just be sitting there. Like I would just be clearly out of juice, but feeling like I needed to keep working. And so I would just be staring at a blank screen miserably. Right. Right. Because it's like, there's not, there's not this time that it's like, all right, well, what I do when I'm in this building is I eat dinner and, you know, play video games and watch television and stuff. And what I do in this building is I work. And that's, it's just like one of those ways that you trick yourself into being a grown up when you're not, you're secretly not one inside, which is to say everyone alive. Yeah. At least as far as I know. Uh, Mr. Skullet, I believe that you're actually uh, that you actually live a considerable distance from the asymmetric HQ, unless I have it backwards, and that's Jick's situation. Does it present much of a challenge to collaborate with people located so far from you? How often do you get to meet up with the rest of the team in person? Uh, if I did get confused over who lives where, I guess you can reverse those questions. Yeah, Scully is the one. Apart from C.D. Moyer, Scully lives the furthest from the office of anybody. Yep, I, it doesn't really make it hard to collaborate with people. It makes the there's kind of less of an overlap between when I'm on and when everybody else is on. Yeah, cuz that that's been that's been shitty lately when we're trying to actually like do more stuff together cuz like if I if I sleep until 9 or 10 then you've already been and gone for a long time by the time I actually like, you know, finish like doing my doing my shit I got to do and actually sit down at now, like, the at I'm, the computer. If I'm on from like Eight until noon, and then three until five. The odds are that I'm gonna miss you. Yeah, because I'll be at lunch. Well, I'll be at lunch for the second half of your shift and asleep for the first half. It, you know, our our tools. We have we have slowly built tools for asynchronous collaboration that work really well. Right. Um. Yeah. You know. We we all have a logged chat that is the sort of the primary way of keeping everybody on the same page, and that works really good. Uh, Canifier forty says hello, loving my trusty seahorse Glitter Swim. Thank you so much for that question. Why is there no indication of the bond between Glitter Swim and I anywhere other than the get the jump message? Maybe our seahorse could go in other accomplishments. Well, there will be once you can actually ride it to the next container document. You'll see its name when you ride it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I should probably put another accomplishment in there. Also, I couldn't help but notice that a bunch of the new art is actually from 2009, and so are a bunch of the item IDs for the new items. How much of the Coral Corral was conceptualized years ago, and how much recently? Almost all of it just already existed and wasn't wasn't implemented. Mm-hmm. You did you do the writing for those monsters recently, or did was that from years ago? For the for like the sea cow and the sea cowboy and stuff. Those were all new. Those were all pings. Okay. Because, yeah, a lot of this was, we got a long way into this stuff and then got hung up in the next phase. And I am, I was really worried that this week was just going to be me sort of retreating into my own ass again. Because I I basically just had some ideas that weren't going to work. And instead of ditching them, I just kept poking at them. Uh-huh. And now I've I like I made more progress today on the next batch of underwater zones than in the many days that I tried to dedicate to 
getting them further on. I think, you know, we're losing a bunch of writing that you did in 2009, so that sucks. But, you know, we can... <laughs> I feel a, can, a retroactive sense of anger. Now, I think I assured you that I wasn't going to diva out over stuff that I wrote in 2009, because yeah. I don't remember it. Yep. It's, it's, a, a lot of it's funny. Maybe we should just make a little... We should write a short story about a about a, some tournaments. All right. Um... So yeah, how do this is a this is interesting. How do you know that the art is from two thousand nine? Like, can you look at it somehow and see the see the like last change date from the file system that it's on? Because <clears throat> that could be publicly accessible, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, um, there was some new stuff like the gun is new and the armor crafting recipes from the leather are all new. Yeah. And all of Grandma's stuff was all new. And I had some real serious technical issues with the... Because I had to get a, a new scanner. I had to use a new scanner. And the software is different than it used to be. And it was a big fucking mess. And everything looked gross. And then Hot Stuff spent a bunch of time yesterday moving little dots around to make a little curve that changed the relationships between different values of black and white. Right. Um... And it's working. Mr. Guy says, over a month into this challenge path, and I'm still overjoyed about the cosmic bucket. I've been experiencing the thrill I usually get competing in the last few weeks at an avatar path without the panic that I'm running out of time. Nearly halfway through the path. What are your thoughts on the bucket and how it's been received so far? I mean, we'll have to see. I'm, I'm curious if... I'm curious how the number of people who do an in-season Jarlsberg run will compare to the number of people who did an in-season Boros run. And then that that number with the total number of runs will maybe give us no information at all about what effects selling the thing actually had. Right. You know, because it, you know the total number of runs could be more people doing more runs because they started out faster because of the bucket, right? You know, but I think in general, like it, I can usually tell that something that I'm maybe a little bit worried about as a business decision from an ethical standpoint, I can usually tell that it's okay if when people leap to our defense against detractors, they sound reasonable. Uh-huh. And they did, and you know, nobody complaining about it anymore. And I like Yeah, I think it's okay. Uh, slash Kamaya says, hey guys, nice work with the C and all that. My question is, when you're going through the pyramid for the Holy MacGuffin, why not add a button to use the tomb wretches and whatnot so we don't have to go into our inventory? Use it and then go back to see if it's turned the image we want. Uh, also, when will we see KOL 2 with 50% more bugbears? 50% more bugbears? Nobody can live at that speed. Yeah, there's already a lot more bugbears. Uh, David LP says, Hey guys, I'm continuing my journey through Hardcore Roxy to get my plexiglass outfit, and so far I've been deciding what class I want to play next by what gear item I want the most. I tend to like muscle gear more than the other stats because TT and SC were the first classes I ever played, and I especially like the familiar weight on gear. So the plexiglass pith helmet seemed like something I would really want. The only problem is that I already have Boris's helm, and the two are extremely similar. Um... I read about how the crazy bastard swords and enchantments were changed because it wasn't as good as the stainless steel shillelagh, and that leads me to the question. In terms of power, how do you usually rank Mr. Storegear versus Ultra Rares versus Path Rewards? I mean, that is an excellent question. And I don't think that we really have a rubric for it. Or if we do, it's one that Hot Stuff knows about, and I don't. 
Um, all of the other Plexi items seem to have something that makes them unique in a way, minus MP cost, prismatic resistance on an accessory, four songs instead of three, etc. My guess is that the plus familiar weight on a hat was supposed to be the unique aspect of the helmet. Uh, I will still get it eventually, but now the Borsa's helmet's out, it just doesn't seem quite as good. Yeah, I mean, the more time that goes by, the more overpowered Mr. Store gear is going to seem, and, you know, honestly, be compared to stuff from years ago, because there is a little bit of, you know, there is a natural amount of power creep that needs to happen in order to keep things interesting. Uh, Christoni is saying some family is going to be in Phoenix uh, with a wife and two boys, 13 and 11. They will rent a car and go see the Grand Canyon, some national parks and stuff. They will spend one day in Phoenix. Any suggestions for things to do? Nope. <clears throat> there must be things to do. Yeah. You know, Phoenix actually has a pretty good zoo. Yeah, I remember. It's and I've so heard really good things about the Desert Botanical Garden, also. You know, that was pretty. We went out there with uh, Rhiannon back in the day. It was good. Yeah, I managed to never go. Hmm. You know, the Grand Canyon's neat. Flagstaff, you can skip. I like Flagstaff. Just get get here. Get yourself a park bench and a bucket of dirt. Throw the dirt on the park bench. And you have 100% simulated the experience of being in Flagstaff. Although, when you go up to Flagstaff, you can go up and ride the ski lift <clears throat> to the top of the mountain. Okay. And that is an insane view. That's great. Mm -hmm. Does it also give you a, uh, a, a, a more direct line of stench to the dog food factory? Uh, no. Okay. You can't smell the dog food factory on the, on the west side of town. Oh, okay, so at least half of the town doesn't reek of dog food. So that's yes. one good thing you can say about Flagstaff. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Hey, Scully, says Lord Heck, you say that Jarlsberg is about ideal for you as an MMO character, and I'd like to hear you elaborate on that a bit. Is it just his raw power? He has a lot of cool tools between his staves and all those spells. I'm curious about what trees or skills you favor, and if you're playing it like a normal player or with lots of cool dev tools and buckets. It's, a. Uh... I haven't really delved that deeply into it, you know, I, I like that it's easy to get to the point where you're summoning your familiars and you're, you're limited in the food that you can eat, so you don't have a lot of choices to make there, and so your only choices are how to progress down the trees. I, uh, I'm only on, like, level... Gefleur. Yeah, I'm only on level 6 of my first Jarlsberg run because I don't spend a whole lot of time doing it every day. But, uh... Yeah, shit, shit, I don't know, man. I find it really hard to stick with doing runs because it it so hamstrings my ability to work if I, if I can't just, like, arbitrarily fight a monster that I'm trying to test something in or whatever. Mm. You know, or just like give myself a skill to make to fix something or an item to to you know implement something. It's like the only and, and I and the only dev thing I'm doing with this run is adding turns occasionally when I run out of them and I'm just not done playing yet. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Will the barrel full of barrels get much love in May? Says Play Havoc. Uh, I don't think so would you eat a chocolate head the size and look of your own head i think a chocolate head the size of my own head 
the the look of my own head would not make me like it anymore. Oh, uh, you're cutting out. My head is probably less chocolate than I will eat for the rest of my life. I mean, more chocolate than I will eat for the rest of my life. Are we talking... Oh, we just lost Jake, but, uh... There's a problem with this call. Hold on while we try to get the call back. I've had too much beer for this. I would play some music, but we know we can't do that. Okay, I'm assured that you're back on the line. Okay. Fuck, sorry about that. My phone just decided to, to stop being connected to the wireless router for a minute. Heh. I would, uh... It would depend on whether it was hollow or not, I think. Like, a solid chunk of chocolate the size of my gigantic head would be too much chocolate for me to eat. But if it's if it's hollow and if it's darker chocolate, so it's not just sickly sweet, yeah, I would be down. I'm down for that. I actually bought some chocolate Saturday. Uh, I bought a little bar of, uh, of dark chocolate because uh, Hot Stuff's girlfriend got us all bars of dark chocolate from Trader Joe's in our stockings. Uh, huh. And I ate a, you know, a little bit of that, like a quarter of a bar of chocolate every other weekend until it was gone. I was like, yeah, that was actually pretty good. But then I got, I didn't know what percentage, cacao I, I would. Right. Uh, so I got 85 because it was in the middle of the numbers that were presented to me. And I think maybe that's a little too dark. Yeah, you wanna... like I, I could have used a little more and a little less bitter. You don't want to go over and, 60%, uh, I feel. Over 60, really? Yeah. Uh, I don't even, I don't have any idea what, like, what does that even mean for something to be 90% cacao? That means that it's going to be really, really bitter. Yeah. It's like 100% cacao would be cocoa powder. Right. I don't even, I mean, I've never dealt with cocoa powder. Oh, like the, the stuff that you would use for baking and making... What, the stuff that I would use for baking is a restaurant. I, I, all of the baking that I do, I do by paying other people to bake things for me. Yeah, so, sorry. That, that is true. I made I made cookies like a month ago. No, that just, required bacon. The higher the percentage of cacao, the less sugar that it has. So, okay. up to a point, it's kind of nice that it's not super sweet, but after a while, meh. Okay. Too bitter. Maybe next time. Maybe next time I get a, a bar, I will get seventy-five percent cacao. I think it's funny that uh, you consume chocolate the same way that you consume uh, weed, which is something that an average person would have in one sitting is enough for months for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, moderation in all things, you know. Exactly. Th that said, a month's worth of alcohol for most people is. It's like weekend. I, I drink. I drink more before ten a.m. than most people drink all week. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Sandwich Dew says, "Hey guys, I just wanted to ask why the sea is closed off to Boris, Zombie Slayer, and Jarl Barkley. I'm sure it's been explained before, but I'm dumb and can't remember her derp. 
No, I don't. I doubt if it has been. There are just a bunch of class dependent things down there, and we were just like, you know, we want to discourage aftercore use of these paths because they, they are generally not balanced for aftercore, and so, like, sorry, but no. Uh, Ronnie Big says, I don't know if you guys have heard of Two Buck Chuck. Trader Joe sells it here on the West Coast. It's a classic $2 bottle of Charles Shaw. I'd love to see a bottle of Three Meat Pete, something just beyond the level of Mad Train wine. That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> and yeah, I'm definitely familiar with, with Two Buck Chuck. If I were a wine guy, it gets, I mean, it's totally reasonable wine. I mean, it's like, it's Four Buck Chuck now, though. Oh, is it? Yeah. But it's still, like, it's the cheapest bottle of wine you're ever going to buy and enjoy drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was listening to recent radio shows and I heard Degrassi Knoll listed as a possible zone for revamp. Can we have more actual Degrassi references if it gets revamped? The name Spike and Snake just beg to have monsters named after them, and I'd love to see a Knoll in a wheelchair that thought he was a Drake. I, none of us have any idea what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, we're not I mean, from Canada, pal. Yeah. I, like, I know, I know that it is a television show, but... And I'm and maybe I was familiar with the name of it, but it's just a joke about the grassy knoll, right. and I knew Degrassi was a name. Uh, I don't think I'm going to watch a high school show to be able to make jokes about it. Hmm. Yeah. Fred Levi says, so when Word Realms exist, will there be a fun tie-in? Will there be an avatar of World, Word Realms challenge path? And when you clear it for the first time, you get a secret code that you can enter in Word Realms for a bonus item? No, you know, there'll be a there'll be an item for uh, backers of the Word Realms Kickstarter that lets you play KOL as if it is Word Realms. And that already exists. And I guess you didn't get one, buddy. Maybe we'll put it in Mr. Store. Along oh, with, yeah. Along with the breathalyzer. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know what? That was, I believe, all of the questions. And if we were to take our, our musical break now, uh, well, let me see. There's, I, I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm hitting F5. I'm hitting F5. G.I. Joe's enemy Cobra says Kirby had the terror drone. Also, regarding learning things being better in real life because of KOL, I did a presentation at my job which revolved around law of the instrument and other forms of restrictive thinking and behavioral therapy. I first heard about Law of the Instrument from the Loathing Legionnaire's Hammer. Huh. I wonder who wrote that, because I don't know what that is. Is the Law of the Instrument, if you the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail? Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, okay. I, I just didn't know it was called that. Right. Me neither. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, to me, <laughs> every problem looks like a high school girl's vagina. Oh, I was going to say a bottle of beer, but... Okay, that too. Have you had the, mean, uh, the Stone Vertical Epic, by the way? Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't actually care tonight. for it. Do you, is that, do you like that? I just picked up a bottle tonight, because they, they had it at the liquor store, and I'm kind of a sucker for this is not going to be around forever. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I like it well enough. It's been around for a while. I think they've, they've done multiple brewings of it. They had Because we had it at the at stone it was a number of well, years they ago said that they did one every 12 years and now they're done oh yeah there might still just be some around man we got some we ended up with some more size on dubuff for a while because they, they were making it again but then we stopped being able to find it again yeah gotta gotta work that out 
I need to make it to the beer store. When, when we did two years ago that 100 beers project, I only found one beer that I was like, ah, this is really good and I would absolutely drink this again. And I've never been able to find it anywhere. So I think I need to go back to the place where I got it and at least get another bottle or two of it. I don't even remember the name of it, but I wrote it down somewhere. So that was a great, great story. <laughs> cool story. Um, given, given my druthers, I would probably end this so that we cannot be in as much of a hurry to get to the restaurant that we're going to tonight before it closes. Are you cool with taking our musical break here at the end? Oh, sure. Um, okay. Yeah, so I'm going to have to drop the streams for a second so that I can play music. But, uh, so stick with us if you're live. If you're not live, this does not concern you. Go about your business. And we'll see you next week. Uh -huh.